0: listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette.
1: And I'm Mary Jo Tumare.
0: Mary, there is an audio book, it's only on audio, that uh, I swore to myself I was not going to listen to, but I went ahead and bought it. And I listened to a couple of hours uh, as I went back and forth on the train. And I said, that's it. I'm not listening anymore. And then I swore to myself, I'm not even going to talk about it. But we are going to talk about it. <laughs> and of course, and what book
1: is that? John?
0: What book is that? Bob Woodward, legendary Bob Woodward of all the president's men, fame, all the many books over the years, decided that he would take uh, the 20 interviews he did with Donald Trump and simply release them really pretty much in their raw form. Uh, and he felt, and and actually I guess I've grown to agree with him, that Americans need to listen to this guy kind of unfiltered and hear what he really sounds, sounds like. That's what... Uh, the book is and that's why it's it's not a hard copy book because the whole point of it and uh, Woodward makes this point is you really have to hear him uh reading his words even if it was a transcript uh does not really portray what it's like to sit there for 20 hours and listen to Donald Trump wait what about you are you going to get it
1: I don't know. First, I said I would when you said you were going to do it. And I was like, oh, I should probably do that, too. But I've heard just enough of it on TV, on, you know, with this interview and that interview, that it's really hard to listen to and bothersome. Just those snippets. And this morning he was on uh, Bob Woodward was on Morning Joe. It was a long segment. And. No, of course, they were asking him questions, but mostly it was just unfiltered Trump. And by the end of that segment, I had thrown up in my mouth so many times I was ill. I know. I cannot believe. I mean, it's all the things we knew about him, but worse.
0: But so much worse. And I mean, I tried to think as I was getting ready for uh, today's recording, uh, of what my real takeaways are. And I, I, I just got jotted them down on a note that's sitting right in front of me here. And there are just too many things because he's constant. Everything comes out. I, these are little th- uh, things, but let me throw them out there. Even sitting with Bob Woodward, although there were usually some other people there at the time of the interview. In one case, Lindsey Graham is there. Uh, weirdly, Trump makes whoever is there, even if it's a senator of the United States, they have to stand. He and Bob Woodward sit, and everybody else stands and, uh, and, and listens. But even in that kind of closed-in thing, he cannot resist saying, Barack Hussein Obama. He's got to say that. And once he even notices that he didn't say it, he said, ah, I, I should have said Hussein uh, I guess I, I don't need to right here. It's like the performance is always on. He's always got to throw insults. He's always got to be crude, no matter what the setting is. Uh, and I guess maybe that's something we knew about Donald Trump, but it's painful to listen to.
1: Yeah. And the other, you know, thing like that I was thinking about this morning when I listened to that is we knew. That he is a narcissist and a sociopath. Many people had said that. But somehow until you hear him, you think, well, how bad can it be? And if you have not lived in a world with a lot of narcissistic sociopaths, <laughs> you know, you might not kind of know what that means except in an intellectual way. So they were playing the tape this morning about him talking about North Korea and then South Korea. And he's on this rant about how South Korea doesn't give us enough money. We spend so much money and they wouldn't exist as a country if not for us. So put aside the ignorance, which is massive. Like he doesn't understand anything about international relationships and You know, the value of having a base there in South Korea, the Korean War, the results of that, what a risk North Korea is. But he's like so confident when he says things as if he's talking about buying a freaking building on Fifth Avenue. And so it's the sociopathy, the narcissism, but just the pure ignorance. And, you know, a ninth grade history student could better, high school student, could better describe why we have a relationship with South Korea than he is able to. And I'm going to tell you something, John, and I know I've said this many times, but listening to that, if I were the University of Pennsylvania, he went Wharton School, right? Mm-hmm. And so did his um, son, who, who, who admitted, this is a little bit of an aside, but do you know why the uh, judge in Brooklyn put the Trump administration, uh, the Trump organization under a special master, besides the fact that they thought they, you know, steal their money and stuff? Because Donald Trump Jr. under oath admitted that he doesn't know how to read a, a balance sheet. He goes, you know, I took a county 101, that's all I got. And so I, I'm just, I keep going back to this. What do these people learn in college? <laughs> well, I know. Graduate school because he knows nothing.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I'm going to put one up that comes up in the tape several times. Donald Trump still, I think to this day, does not know what a tariff is. He somehow thinks, and he talks a lot about tariffs. Remember early in the presidency, he used to call himself the king of tariffs. But he would always talk about all the money that was pouring into the U.S. Treasury from China because he had imposed tariffs. And people tried to tell him that, no, that's not what a tariff is. It's not a tax that goes into the United States Treasury. And he he never listens at all. He's just convinced that he knows what it is. I mean, this is, you know. And I you, thought
1: the most troubling part, and this is the part that they spent the most time on is how cavalier, how small and transactional he was about the coronavirus, the COVID
0: thing. Well, it, it is. And I want to go to that coronavirus. I'm going to hold for a second on Korea since you brought it, brought it up. He talks a lot about it. And he talks on and on about the great relationships. And there is much focus on the letters, the 11 letters. And he gives them to Bob Woodward. He says, you can't keep them. You got to give them back to me uh, afterwards, but you can read them and you can hear in his voice uh, the tremendous pride he has in these letters and his special uh, relationship uh, with Kim Jun. In light of what we're learning about the documents in Mar-a-Lago, This just really resonated. There is something about that and about those letters that has just like triggered something in his bizarre psyche. Enough that listening to him on the tape, I believe that the reason he took these documents was he couldn't bear to be apart from those letters.
1: Which is so sick. I mean, does he not understand that Kim Jong-un is one of the most evil Leaders in the world, like, does he not understand what's happening in South uh, North Korea and how the the people that live there are being treated and what a risk him is to that region of the world and as including the West Coast of the United States? I mean, that's where I go back to this ignorance thing. It is stunning ignorance. Do you know how? Um, and I've you've heard I've heard many presidents when you know they talk to historians comment on how much they thought they knew before they went in office and then after their briefed the first time, they're stunned by what's really going on in the world, what we know, and the overwhelming responsibility of it. He didn't have that experience, John, no. because he couldn't have. And I know from reporting that one thing when Obama met with him, he said North Korea, North Korea, North Korea, this is your biggest risk. You must get this, you know, you must pay attention to this. So do you think it's possible in the way that everything Obama says is bad and he hates Obama, that Obama saying that to him, in a sense, pushed him into Kim's arms?
0: Well, I think it is. And I think he imagined that you've brought this up before. I want to credit that. I think he imagined... That was the place he could actually get his Nobel Prize. He could go down in, in history because he wasn't going to be able to diplomatically deal with and Merkel or with the other key heads of state. But he got this guy who, I mean, people have said, credible people, that Kim jong might be wily and cunning, but he's a little stupid, uh, and he certainly is not. You know the world class level, but Donald, he thought, no, I can work this uh, guy, and I'm going to go down history. I'm going to get my Nobel Prize, which he wanted so much, and I'm going to add to that. You know, for many dark years of my life, uh, I worked in business, and I supervised a lot of lot of salesmen. And one of the phrases that salesmen, in particular, use all the time, talking about a client. Maybe a client we haven't even gotten through to, we're having trouble with, but they'll always tell me, you know, the boss there, I have a great relationship with that guy. I have an amazing relationship because especially for kind of the old style salespeople, they felt they didn't have any other asset except their relationship. I really get along with that guy. And man, that jumps off the page with Donald Trump. He is always talking about how much of a great relationship he has. And it kind of reminds me Donald Trump is at his base a sales guy. Yeah. And, not, and I don't say that with a real complimentary tone, even knowing <laughs> how many of our family members have been in sales, our dad, our brothers, uh, and so forth. And I was in it, but I'm painting it that wrong picture of no, no, I got it in with this guy. That's Donald Trump.
1: Yeah. No, I. I mean, you hear that and you hear that when he was talking, whether it was Erdogan or G or any of these other strongmen, you know, without understanding that he had a good relationship with them because they were using him. Yeah. You know, like they said, that first trip that he took to Saudi Arabia, they knew that if they, you know, project his picture up on a building and they keep kissing his ass, to use his own expression, then they can get him to do what they want him to do. And, and you can hear his side of that when you listen, at least to the parts that I've heard. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, he really, it's amazing he didn't do more damage than he did in those four years.
0: Yeah, and when you think about the amount of damage he did, your statement is really staggering.
1: And, 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 you know, they say, I heard this morning that he's going to announce on, they say now November 14th, although I'm sure that date is fluid, that he's running again.
0: Yeah, I mean, I heard that as well. Uh, at the time, I was anticipating talking about this. I, I got to tell you, this is not hyperbole. It kind of took my breath away. I thought this, this it just cannot be true. It cannot right. be true, but it is. It certainly is. And given, I don't think in a real election that he actually can win. Never. I mean, he's never won the popular vote, and it was by a, a strange margin in 2016. But depending on what happens uh, this coming week in the midterm elections, we could have enough state houses and governors and secretaries of state, who are saying right out loud, uh, like the guy in Wisconsin, if I'm elected, Republicans are never going to lose another election in the state of Wisconsin, that that could all kick in, and he could be president again.
1: He could, or we could be in the midst of the most significant constitutional crisis this country ever seen, or at least seen since the Civil War. So before we leave, we don't have that much time left. I just, and I hope we never talk about these tapes again, but I hope, I mean, I stunned, so upset and felt like crying listening to him talk about COVID.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I took you off that that point. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. What did you think?
1: Well, he doesn't, he truly did not understand, one, that it was an opportunity for him. To demonstrate leadership, and two, that he had a responsibility to do something. I don't know if you listened to part yet where he was talking about and Bob Woodward was like, "Well, what have you told your son, Barron? You no, know, I told him with China's well, I couldn't do anything about it." Yeah, he truly didn't understand what his role was, and so you think about if George Bush had been president or Barack Obama had been president, what they could have done if they had marshaled the United States government, if Joe Biden had been president and competently used the levers of government, we still would have probably had a lot of deaths, but not to the number that we had. And for everybody who's lost anybody to COVID, and we're still living with it.
0: We are. And I, you know what keeps resonating for me? I think Peter Baker uh, relayed this in, in his book. Deborah Burks not somebody we have a super high opinion of but I you know I think she tells the truth she said the first hundred thousand deaths in the United States were probably going to happen everything after that is on Donald Trump and his mishandling uh, of it Wow that is a chilling number to think of the number of human beings and I think she's probably right
1: I agree and and that's that kept like you know, resonating with me as I was listening to the tapes. What was interesting what Bob Woodward said, and we can finish on this. He said, I would like to sit down with Mitch McConnell and have him listen to those tapes in front of me and say, you own this. Yep. That's your guy. And I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful um, because there's a huge truth to that. Mitch got what he wanted and we killed a million people for it.
0: Yeah. Well, I've got some time off this afternoon. I was going to read something beautiful and positive. I think I'll go listen to more tapes.
1: Oh, I don't know. Maybe listen to some great music and read something positive. That God, might go, be good. Or go watch something on Netflix.
0: <laughs> oh, maybe I can watch Mr. Rogers.
1: <laughs> All right. All
0: right. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette. listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view.